Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4, 23 is where we're going to start this morning. Y'all can stay standing. We're doing everything a little bit different this morning. So today you're going to stand during the whole message like they did in the Old Testament. <laughs> Why y'all laughing? Proverbs 4, 23. Okay. Now, this verse is short and sweet, and my goal for you when we leave here in a few minutes is that you'll have this memorized, okay? That was my goal, even though we don't have it on the screen. You can memorize this and take this home in your pocket today. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Say it with me. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. One more time. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now, if you've memorized that, you can sit down. Everybody who's still standing will say it again. All right, you can be seated. <laughs> Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Okay. You're not supposed to have this much fun in church. What in the world's going on around here? Okay, imagine for me a couple who just bought a home. It's not a new home, so they realize they've got to do some work to it. But they think, okay, if we put down some new carpet and we paint the walls, it'll really bring it a long ways. So they call in a painter and he repairs the cracks that are in the walls and he paints over them. It looks great. They pay him his money. They thank him. They're very satisfied with the work and this home that they've bought is looking pretty good. Well, about a month later, they notice that the cracks start coming back. And they think, man, that shouldn't happen. We just had that repaired. So they think, well, maybe the problem was our painter. So they hire another painter to come in, maybe somebody a little more expensive and that'll do a better job. And they ask him to survey What's going on? And he says, well, he says, I can patch those cracks and I can paint on it, over them, but that's not going to solve the problem. Your real problem isn't a crack in the wall. Your real problem is the foundation. And until you address the foundation, the cracks are just going to keep on showing up. Now, that's often our approach when we start fixing problems in our own lives. We want a quick fix. We want to patch it. We want to paint over it. But have you ever noticed that some problems and difficulties in your life have a way of showing back up? Anybody besides me seen that happen in your life? Anybody experience, well... You patch it up, you think it's okay, and maybe it disappears for a few weeks, but then it shows back up again. And you thought you had it taken care of. Well, this scripture that we read this morning is foundational in that it tells us, really, if we're going to take care of the cracks in our lives, we've got to do the foundational work of taking care of our hearts. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, 
Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Your heart determines and defines who you are, how you think, and what you do. I want to say that again. Your heart defines and determines who you are, how you think, and what you do. And because everything, as the verse says, flows from your heart, it is the primary battleground where these gods at war we're talking about go to battle. Now, Proverbs 4.23 is real simple. It's three slices, okay? So the first slice says, above all else. That means top priority. Treat your heart like it is the most valuable thing that there is. All right, let's talk about our physical hearts for a second, all right? We can identify with this. The American Heart Association tells us that over 80 million people in the United States, that's one in every four, deal with some type of cardiovascular disease. Some of you have dealt with heart problems. If you haven't, you've got a loved one or a friend or somebody who has. And when somebody has heart problems, what do they do? They realize that they have to change something in their life, right? So it may mean that they change their diet, or maybe they start exercising a little more to, to give their heart some more work, to get it more healthy and more strong. They'll take expensive medications, but the point is they'll do something to take care of the problem that they've noticed that's in their heart. Why? Because all of the sudden... A heart attack or a stroke or chest pains have helped them to realize and understand something's not right inside. Now for us, our tendency is when we've got something wrong, we tend to take care of what's on the outside. And as long as things look good on the outside, then we tend not to concern ourselves much with what's on the inside. If I can dress up. And, and look good in the way I present myself to everybody around me, and they think I've got it all together, then I don't have to do the difficult work of what might be going on inside of me. Spiritually speaking, instead of focusing on our hearts, we focus on what I'll call behavior modification. We'll kind of talk more about that here in a second. So, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, what's the next thing he said? Guard your heart, okay? Now, the word guard, I can't even say it without doing that, you know? Everybody do that with me. Guard, guard. I mean, when you say guard, you, you just feel that, right? Guard, to guard something means you diligently protect against the enemy. Even the word guard indicates that we're, we're putting up a barrier and protection against something. We're trying to keep something safe, Right? When you put your guard up, it's not passive, right? It's very proactive if you're putting your guard up. I was reading this week that one of the most guarded places in the United States is a place called Fort Knox. You heard of it? Fort Knox, Kentucky. And why is Fort Knox so guarded? Because it holds a large amount of the United States gold reserve. Let me tell you something about Fort Knox. Fort Knox is housed in a two-story building constructed with 16,500 cubic feet of granite. Now the builders in the room are calculating. They're like, wow. 
there's 4,200 cubic yards of concrete and 1,400 tons of steel. Now, if those numbers, if you can't wrap your brain around those numbers, think about this one. The vault door at Fort Knox weighs 20 tons. Everybody say, that's a lot. That's a lot. No person has the combination. Various people have the combination. And as a side note, I thought about this, that this is taking place in Kentucky. I don't know what it is about Kentucky. At Fort Knox, they're protecting the gold. In Louisville, they're protecting those 21, 7, 14 herbs and spices, whatever they are. You know, and they say that Kentucky Fried Chicken, everybody doesn't know. It took y'all a minute. You know, you've heard that before. They say at Kentucky Fried Chicken that everybody doesn't know the recipe, right? That one puts in one. And that kind of sounds like Fort Knox. That's something about Kentucky, I guess. But everybody doesn't know the password. One person knows one. One knows another. And they all do that. There's four guard stations there. There's the latest in technology. They don't allow visitors. So sorry, you can't go and get a Christmas ornament that says Fort Knox. Been there, done that. And this is an interesting fact. In World War II, we moved the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, the original copies, to Fort Knox. Did anybody know that? During World War II, we moved those things to Fort Knox. And that tells you something about two things. How serious World War II was and how serious Fort Knox is about security. So what am I saying? Every precaution is taken at Fort Knox. Why? Because what's inside is incredibly valuable. Above all else, guard your heart for everything flows from it. Now, your heart beats 100,000 times a day and pumps over 2,000 gallons of blood every day. Everything in your body flows through your heart, right? Think about how God created our hearts. God put our hearts where? In the center of our body and put a cage around it. Your chest cavity is a cage that protects your heart. And then he put muscles all around that so that if if you have open heart surgery, and some of you had that, and you'd say right now, that's a big deal. They got to really do a lot of work to get in there and get to the heart because God put it deep inside and He protected it because it's a valuable part of your body, the most valuable part, and everything flows from in your heart, right? Well, what's true spirit physically is also true spiritually. And the Hebrew culture in which Proverbs 4.23 was written where Solomon and other people wrote Proverbs, they had this thought about the heart that really is, it's kind of birthed in the Hebrew culture, but it's kind of become a part of the way we think about the heart when we might say to somebody, I love you with all my heart, okay? And it's that idea that the heart was, it was used as a metaphor for the very center or the core of a person's personality. It was the spiritual hub through which everything else flowed. And they knew that, okay, you could lightly touch your wrist and you feel a what? Pulse. And you touch right here and you feel a pulse. But if you put your hand over your heart, it's much stronger, right? 
Because this is the hub that everything flows from. The beating's more power. So it stands to reason that the way the Hebrews thought about the heart was that everything flowed from the heart. Not just blood, but will, emotions, personalities. Everything goes from the heart. Now, listen to this verse of Scripture. Another proverb in Proverbs 27, 19. It says, as water reflects the face... So one's life reflects the heart. This is a real easy verse to understand. If you go to a pond or a stream that's still or a lake and you look over and it's clear and you look over into that lake, what are you going to see? You're going to see yourself looking back at yourself. Okay. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Now this, is, this is a big point in the message right here. He's saying, just like I look in the water and see my face, my life, everything about my life, and my attitude, my actions, what I do, my behavior flows out of what's going on inside of my heart. My life reflects my heart. Your life reflects your heart. So if the heart is the truth of your identity, that's why the God's Fight so fiercely for your heart. So let's let it sink in for a moment how important it is that we take care of our heart. The God that wins the war for your heart, the innermost being of who you are, has a lot to do with how diligently you are guarding your heart. So let's talk about this morning four practical things that you can do to guard your heart. Okay, The first one is accountability. Now, in the church, when we think about accountability, I remember the first time I heard about accountability was when I was in college. And the Bible study group that I was in, they were talking about having accountability partners. You know, and that sounds great. Accountability partners are going to help hold you accountable and, and, and help you walk the straight and narrow. And if you get off, they're going to tell you. And I can remember one time being at East Carolina University, sitting outside of the music building beside my accountability partner and beautiful girls walking by and him nudging me, being like, okay, I'm your accountability partner here, pal. You better, better watch what you're looking at. Oh, my gosh, y'all are so holy this morning. I guess the men are just being real quiet. Maybe y'all are smart. Brother Les, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never turned my head to look at another woman in my life. Well, my accountability partner was like, hey, boy, you better look at the ground. You better look at the Lord. You better do something. And, and you know what? That, that is along the lines of what we're talking about, behavior modification. Because with accountability partners, you have that person and you sit down and you say, okay, I'm dealing with this. So let's say if you were dealing with gambling, they may sit down with you and say, okay, have you bought any lottery tickets this week? Have you, have you played any online NFL games this week betting on a, a game that's on Sunday? How are you doing with your addiction? And they'll ask them about that. Well, I haven't done any of that in a week. Okay, well, great. Good job. See you next Tuesday. And they may do that a few more times, and it could be about any number of issues. How are you doing with your anger? How are you doing with looking at pornography? How are you doing with gossiping? Whatever it is, put yours in the blank, and you can talk about it and say, Hey, man, I'm doing pretty good. But if you just keep talking about the behavior, think about it. We do that a lot, and that's good, and it's helpful. It is helpful, okay? But have we really talked about 
the heart of the issue yet. Now, Paul says in Philippians 4, 7, I'm sorry, let me jump back. James says in James 5, 8, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now that's a verse that probably a lot of us would like. Well, let me skip on to one that feels a little bit better than that. Because confessing to each other, especially for guys, that, that's not something we're real comfortable about, is it, guys? And some of you are like, I ain't ever doing that, preacher. Don't count me in. I'll never confess my sins to somebody else. But James says that when you find somebody and you confess your sins, that what happens? Anybody hear it? He says you're healed. The problem receives healing. It receives care. It receives restoration. There's a result to it. There's something about taking what we hide in the dark places of our lives and bringing them out into the light and exposing them. Because if you keep it hidden, then it's just me and, and, and my problem and my sin and the battle I'm having. And I can sit here and fight it all day long and an entire lifeline, a lifetime long. But when I expose it, then suddenly something's got to be done about it, right? So accountability is our first line of defense. Here's the second line of defense, and that is prayer. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to pray when you're not guarding your heart? Think about it. When you're not guarding your heart and taking care of the spiritual side, think about how hard it is to pray. Anybody else been there? You're trying to talk to God. You're trying to uh, connect with Him. But if you haven't been guarding your heart, it's like you're just, it's like you're fighting through everything in the world just to get that connection because you haven't been guarding your heart. But Paul says in Philippians 4, 7, to pray about everything. What did he say pray about? Everything. Does that mean everything? Yeah. It means the things that are so secret inside of you, you don't want anybody else to know that you even think, I can't even say that to God. Hey, He knows. Paul says, pray about everything and the peace of God will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. Now the last scripture we read said that when you confess your sins, you receive what? Healing. And this verse says that When you pray, you receive the peace of God and it guards your heart. Kind of reminds me of what Paul talks about in Ephesians 6 when he's talking about the armor of God. Anybody remember this? Armor of God. He says, put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put the shoes of peace on your feet. He says, put on the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the Spirit. And then he pulls it all together at the end of the verse by saying, to do what? Pray. Prayer is that last part that pulls everything together. It's that last line of defense when I've armed myself with all of that, that I pray. And prayer becomes a weapon of defense. Prayer is such an awesome weapon. It's also a weapon of offense. It's an offensive weapon and it's a defensive weapon. It's a lot like a lot of the boys on the high school football team here on Friday night. I watch them at Effingham. I don't know how they do it. They do it because they're 16 and they're 17, right, Van? They're able to do it and they go both ways. 
They'll be playing special teams, offense, defense. The kid who just scored the touchdown and ran 80 yards will be the kid who catches an interception in the next play on defense. And we say they go both ways. Can I tell you this morning, prayer works both ways. It runs both sides of the field. Prayer plays offense. Prayer plays defense. Prayer is a defense against the things that the enemy is bringing against you. And prayer is an offensive weapon that you can use the sword of the Spirit in your hand and speak the Word of God in prayer. And it empowers you to overcome the things that are at war in your heart. Now let me tell you something. Let me tell you how I kind of think about this. Because if, if I'm sitting in your shoes and I'm hearing a message about this battle, and I'm listening to the preacher this morning, and his second point is prayer, I'm thinking, okay, I needed something better than that. Because that's what I expect you to say is prayer. Now that's typical. Go back and find the silver bullet, Pastor. There's got to be the silver bullet, the magical thing that you can pull out. And it's going to obliterate all my battles. And I think sometimes we're looking for that one thing that's going to be the game changer. Can I just tell you, I dropped the game changer for you right now. Prayer, that's it. I'm going to give you two more, so it really isn't it. But prayer is at the top of the list, okay? Those are the bonus ones, all right? But prayer is at the top of the list. And how, how we minimize prayer, let me tell you why I think it happens this way. Because what happens for us is a lot of times we think about prayer like this. We think about it as a list. I have on my phone a prayer list. And I'll pull up that list and I'll go through it and I'll pray my list. Most of what's on that list are needs. They're your names, your needs, my needs, my family's needs. You, you say, will you pray with me about this? I, I don't get it every 100% time right, but I try to remember to put that on the list. So I'll remember to be praying with you about that. But I'm running the list of needs, physical needs, personal needs, financial needs, and all of those things. And, and a lot of our prayers are need-based, right? Lord, help me, my family, them, their family, that situation. And that's great. It is 100% biblical. Jesus said, cast your cares on me. That is 100% biblical. But the type of prayer we're talking about here is a little bit deeper. It's the prayer that digs in and does some me praying. Where I'm saying, okay, God, I've prayed about my needs, but I need to pray about me. And, and I'm not meaning, Lord, give me a brand new truck and a brand new job and wonderful health and wonderful marriage. Pray those things. But what about the me part? It's the part that, let's kind of rewind to what we said two weeks ago. Remember Joshua 24 when he said, As for me and my house, we will do what? And what did I tell you? I said, you've got to get the what part right first. The me part. The me, I can't get my family right until I get me right. And this is what we're talking about right here. When I line up the me through prayer... There's got to be those digging in moments of prayer. That's where the battle happens is in those moments of prayer when I'm talking to God about me and I'm real honest. I'm real honest about what I'm fighting with. I'm real honest about what I'm battling with. I expose those things to God in prayer. And I just start digging in and working on it and asking God to work on it. Because I can't do it by myself. Anybody else say, I can't do that by myself. The gods that are at war for my heart. I need His help to fight the battle. So that's the, that's the deeper side of prayer. So please don't minimize the prayer part. 
Because I think that's a trick of the enemy to literally take a weapon out of our hand. A weapon that goes both ways, offensive and defensive. So, we build our defenses through number one, accountability. Number two, through prayer. Number three, through scripture meditation. Reading the Bible. I wanted another silver bullet. Well, you know what? It works. Because it's not about what we guard our hearts from. It's what we open our hearts to. It's not just what we're trying to fight against and guard whatever it is that the enemy's shooting my way. It's also about what I open myself to in God's Word. And when I open up His Word and I open myself up to God's Word, then something happens inside of me. David said in Psalms 119, verse 11, he said, I have hidden my word, I've hidden your word in my heart, finish the sentence, that I might not sin against you. I hide the word in my heart. I meditate on scripture. I put it inside. If you're not putting it in, it's not going to come out, right? I've got to put it in. And again, the end of Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So once again, if we are prayerless and wordless, I have taken my two best weapons and I have put them on the bench. Now let me use a football analogy again because every Friday night for the last few weeks, I've been in Effingham watching football. Some of y'all have too. We got two guys, they're cousins uh, the Gant cousins, Zabrandon and, and Damari. And these boys are unbelievable playing football. They're crazy good. But what if Coach Buddy came to practice this week and those boys were blowing up the field the other night? I mean, they were running all over Liberty County. I think we beat, beat them 150 to 2 or something. It was kind of like the way the Bulldogs... Oh, okay, I won't say that. As people... I want my tie check back right now, brother. Kevin, Kevin's leaving right now. He just quit. I'm sorry, that one was too easy. And I, I'm not even a fan for either. But what if Coach Buddy came to practice tomorrow and those Gant cousins, man, they've been knocking it out. And what if he said, boys, we're just going to, y'all just sit on the bench this week. We're going to give, we're going to give these ninth grade boys who weigh 120 pounds, 115 pounds a try this week. Them boys would be thinking, okay, maybe when you go play for South Effingham, right, man? You're not going to take your two best weapons and put them on the bench, are you? Absolutely not. It's absurd. We need to take our two best weapons off the bench. Prayer and the Word. And I just want to ask you a question, real simple this morning. If you're battling gods at war, if you've if you got something at war in your life, I just want you to ask yourself that simple question. Am I taking up prayer and am I reading the Word? Pick up the weapons and see what happens, okay? Now, here's the last one. So we build our defenses through accountability, prayer, Scripture meditation, and here's the last one. You practice holy thinking. Now, Paul said in Philippians 4, 8, after he said, pray about what? Everything. Hey, man, y'all are doing good. We don't need this screen. And y'all are listening better without the screen this morning. He said, pray about what? Everything. And he said, here, here's what you need to think about. Whatever's true, 
noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent, if anything is praiseworthy, think about those things. Let's run the list again. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. So our last line of defense is to practice holy thinking. Now, can I, can I, can I get on your feet a little bit right now and I'll get on mine? We spend a lot of time Googling, surfing, spend a lot of time on Fox News and watching hours of news, and we spend a lot of time, uh, we can lose like a half a day binging on Netflix, right? I mean, anybody know what I'm talking about, okay? We can spend the rest of the day, I mean, like, like my Sundays, I like to come home and just lose my mind completely just lay there and watch football all afternoon, okay? And, and so we can just lose all of, all of that, just, but what happens in a lot of those things, okay, a lot of those things don't promote true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy thoughts. So if my diet, okay, let me pick on Fox News, even though they're the conservative one. But if my diet, if all I'm doing is eating Fox News all day, every day, you know what I'm going to turn into? I'm going to turn into somebody who's pretty grumpy and frustrated and mad all the time. Am I preaching to anybody right now? Pick any of the other things, whatever yours is. But if you take a steady diet of that all the time, it's going to pollute how you think. If all you do is consume social media all the time, it's a very me-focused place to be, right? And it's also a discouraging place to be if you get in there after a while. So Paul says you got to think about things that are noble, praiseworthy, admirable, right, you got to put those things in your mind. And when you do those, taking those things in your mind guards your heart. How do you take those things in your mind? You go back to the third point, which is the Scripture, the Word. Absolutely. So we build our defenses through accountability, prayer, Scripture meditation, and holy thinking. A very practical message this morning. But I want to guarantee you this morning, if you take those things and you implement them in your life, you're going to start seeing more wins than losses in the battle against the gods that are at war for your heart. And what we're going to do over the next three weeks, the next three Sundays, is we're going to get very specific about the gods that are at war for your heart. We're going to talk about the gods of success, the gods of me, the gods of love, and the gods of pleasure. We're going to get specific. But the first two weeks, what we've done is we've kind of laid the groundwork to say, here's the place where the battle's taking place. And, and what I want to do today is give you some tools to put in your toolbox so that as we start chomping away at some of these gods over the next few weeks, we can do some work on them and already know what it is, that how we can bring a victory in those things. All right? Renee, if you'll come and play for me, I want to, I want to share a little story with you real quick as we finish up. Now today's October the 1st. It felt good outside this morning, didn't it? Man, that's, that's all of our kind of weather. We live in that heat. It's like, woo, it feels good. Now, when I, when I walk out and feel that, you know what I'm thinking? It's October 1st. It finally feels like fall. And, and you know, I love to be here. If there's any other place, if I could choose my second place to be today, 
It would be in the mountains, and it's, we're probably a couple of weeks away from it, but just walking in the mountains, looking at the, the leaves and the change and all this. Anybody else in for that? It's just therapy. It's just God therapy. I, I, God made that for therapy for us. Now imagine that one day you've got that opportunity. You're walking through the mountains and you're, you're going through enjoying just some time with your family or alone or whoever you're with, and you hear a stream, you hear a, a water source, so you think, hey, everybody loves to see a stream in the mountains, it's beautiful, take some pictures, it just kind of sends you, I, Ricky's over there with his eyes closed, just, uh, he's really, Ricky's sinking into the illustration right now, he's there, I, Lord, just, just touch him right now, he's there, he is there, I can see it. So you hear that stream, and, and anytime you're in the mountains, you hear that stream, you want to go check it out, you see it. And let's say you got to that stream, and when you got there, you noticed that in this place, in the stream, there's trash and garbage everywhere in this one spot. And the stream's not flowing like it needs to. It's kind of dried out on this side. And since you're a, a major conservationist and you just say hey man I got the date I got the time I'm going to take some time and you get in there and you're you're throwing water bottles and trash and garbage and you're putting it on the side and as you're getting in there cleaning out the spot in the stream the water starts flowing a little better but you realize this is a big job it's deep it's under the rocks it's got mold and algae on it and this this is a big project you can't do this in a few minutes so you keep going your pants is wet you're on here you know, I'm, I'm here now so now you're working you're rolling and, and, and it starts to open up and, and you think man I made a big difference here today in this stream and you, you look back like you know us men we like a project we can see immediately right oh results right there did my good deed for today in the stream and I'm good. I go on about my day. The next day, I'm on that same trail again. I'm just cruising along, and I'm thinking, hey, I'm going to check on my stream project. What if you walked up to that stream the next day, and you saw that it was worse than the day before? That there's garbage there again, and you're thinking, there is no way in 24 hours that anybody would have intentionally came down here and dumped garbage in this exact spot that I cleaned that up unless they're just possessed of the devil and insane. So you think there's got to be a logical reason that that thing keeps getting clogged up. So you do the logical thing and you walk where? Upstream. And upstream I find that there is a garbage dump that is dropping garbage at the top of the stream into the stream. Which logically means that it doesn't matter how many days I come back and clean up this one spot, that it's just going to keep flowing down and keep stopping right here, right? So if I'm going to make a difference in this one spot and not just take care of the outside problem here, I got to go to the preach my sermon. Woo, y'all are preaching my sermon. I got to go to the source. And you know what the source is for you today? Talk to me. It's your heart. We try to clean up just those things on the outside. And it's just like that with the stream. We're just cleaning it up. We're pitching it out. We're pitching it out. The crack disappears for a few weeks, but then it shows back up. Why? Because I never went to the preach source. I got to go to the source. And how do I do it? Prayer, the Word, thinking the right thoughts, having somebody who holds me accountable. Those are the things that 
put into place that will help me clean that spot in the stream. And as I say that, I just, I just think, and, man, there's some of us here today, and, you, and you're, I, I say that, and you're like, man, Les, you're, just, you're on top of it today, Les, because I have been cleaning the same spot in my stream for years. And the only thing we're doing is cleaning and doing behavior modification. And we need to go to the source and clean the source. What did we just say? We just sang it a few minutes ago. I lay me down. Your will, your way. What you want, Lord. That's the process. That's where it it starts right there. Is the Lord talking to anybody today? Talking to me too. We got to do some work upstream. You got to get to the source. You got to dig in and watch what God will do when we do that work in our lives. We allow Him to do the work. Let's stand together this morning. The best place to begin the work is to make sure that. You've invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life. I told you two weeks ago that inside on your heart, it's a throne, not a what? Does anybody remember? It's a throne, not a love seat. I may say that a lot over the next few weeks. It's a throne, not a love seat. It's a one-seater. And only one person is supposed to be sitting there, and that's God. I got to give God the seat. I got to give Him the will. I've got to put Him in control. I've got to say, God, you come here at the source and you take control in that issue in my life. This is one of those messages this morning that if I say, everybody who's got a source issue, raise your hand. If we're all honest in church, how many hands should go up? What, about 160, 170 here this morning? Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is something you've got to, I told you a while ago, I want to give you something to take home in your pocket, put in your pocket today. Above all else, guard your heart for everything flows from it. Say it. Above all else, guard your heart for everything flows from it. Put it in your pocket. Above all else, guard your heart for everything flows from it. Take that with you today and do something with it. We're going to close in prayer right where we're at, okay? But this is one of those that, yeah, you, you got to take it home and chew on it. And allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in you. And next week, we're going to start digging in on this battle of these gods at war in our lives. Let's take our two best players off the bench. Let's take prayer and the Word and enact them in our lives. Let's take prayer right now as we come together.
can we pray together? And here's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray for you. This is praying that lining up prayer we talked about. Lining up me. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus this morning, now this is the way you start at the source. By preparing a place in your heart for Him to sit on the throne and Him to be over your life. And you say, I'm going to stop calling the shots. It's not working. I'm going to give Him complete control. If you need to do that today, as you're praying, it's as simple as admitting that you're a sinner, confessing your sin, repenting of your sin, and believing in Jesus. It's that simple. And Jesus will come in and, and He'll jump in the stream with you and start you helping you do the cleanup, right? Let's do some cleanup this morning. Jesus, I am so thankful today for Your Word. Lord, as we come before you right now, Lord, we just, I ask you today, Lord, for every person who's here this morning, that God, you will just convict their hearts, and I believe you've already been revealing inside of their hearts, God, that thing that's inside of them, that's at their source. And I pray, Lord, for surrender today. Lord, I pray that uh, men and women who've been cleaning up that same spot in the stream over and over and over will go to the source and start a process today of complete surrender and giving you their lives and asking you to sit on the throne. Lord, as we go through this next week, I pray, Lord, you'll reveal to our hearts, allow this message to continue to speak in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, bring change in us. Bring victory in us. Help us, God, to see battles won that we've been fighting for years. We surrender those things to you this morning. And know, God, that you are capable and you are able to bring us the victory. And we praise you for it. And we ask for testimonies of your grace and your deliverance for lives here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. One more time. Above all else, guard your heart for everything. Man, y'all preached better than I did today. Good job. God bless you. Have a great week. We're glad that you're here today. We'll see you Wednesday night for worship.